We've received emails lately at Mana Screwed asking why people listen to Mana Screwed. It's got to be because of insights like this from Jack LaCroix. Hi, my name's Jack. I like uh, pre-1800s poetry, good whiskey, and long walks on the beach. And if you'd like to read my blog or possibly see new photos of me, by all means, check out The Bitter Better Man. Don't forget, there's also the wise wisdom of Roberto. You could sell some of my kids and I could pay for that bill. And the man who makes the whole thing spin, Tangent. They just literally blow you off and don't even, you know, don't even, like, kiss you on the way out the door in the morning, then I would say, you know what, uh, F them. Along with some of our special guests. Yeah, you know, Chuck Norris wears KYT pajamas, right? And now, welcome to Man Screwed. Are you ready? Are you really ready? What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode one million and two of Mana Screwed. I am Tangent. With me this week is a gentleman you might recognize from the Horde of Notions once again with us, Chris. Wait, what's up? We, we actually got Horde of Notions this time and not Horse in Motion? Well, you know, I want people to actually be able to find your podcast when they look for it, so I might as well reference what... You know, the lame people call it horde of notions, right? So Nothing but love for you, bro. <laughs> and we also have a special guest, a uh a DCI judge, level two DCI judge at that, and uh someone who wanted to join us to BS with us on these topics we're covering tonight. Charlotte. Hello. And how are you doing uh, today? I'm okay. It's my first time on a podcast, so this is all kinda new to me still, but it's all right. That's awesome. All right. So, uh, yeah, uh, Charlotte was nice enough to correct a bunch of Roberto's spelling errors from the uh, show notes, so that was good. And, and uh, yeah, Robert will not be joining us actually on the show. He may have some thoughts, input that we will add into the show. Other than that, the most hated man in magic will not be joining us this week. And there might be an occasional yeah. comment thrown in from the sandwich. Yo. Were you no, the most hated man in magic is busy recycling his love. Oh, <laughs> oh snap. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's go ahead and get on. I don't really know, you know, if we, do, I don't think there's any real, uh, business that we were going to talk about in the beginning. I know that the, there's a couple, uh, events going on this weekend, but I don't have any real, stats from them. Do you know anything from any of the events going on this weekend there, Chris? I know uh, Owen and PV both made top eight of the Grand Prix. They're the two major names. Uh, Drew Levin just missed. I think he uh, finished in 10th. 10th, yeah. Uh, Owen lost in the quarters, though. Already he's out. Wow. Yeah, yeah he lost to the uh, Hive Mind deck. Uh, Brian Elliott's playing? Uh, yes, yes. That's yeah, he's there. playing Hive Mind Show and Tell. I think he's running Emrakul, 8-pack. Yep. Yep. Seems pretty good. Yeah, it, it looks like fun. Oh, yes, and, and sorry, I didn't realize that he'd actually joined in here, but we do have another guest with us. This is a uh, friend of Roberto's. This is Ladon. Go ahead and say hi. Maybe his, maybe his con- connection isn't working. So, uh, Can you hear me now? Yeah, man, there you are. Okay, cool. What's up, man? Not much. How y'all doing? Doing good. Sweet. So, yeah, I'll get you a, a link there to the to the notes here so you can be ready to rock. Um, well, there they are. Thanks, Chris. So, anyway, no we on the first item on the agenda, the first thing we were going to talk about, I guess, was uh, Stoneforge Mystic. Now, the question is, is is it not only the best two-drop in Standard, but it's been rumored that it's the best two-drop in Legacy. 
Is this true or no? Is it him to Turok or is it something else? Well, I'd say without the Stoneforge Mystic that uh, there'd be no reason to play white in standard right now. So, yeah, I'd say it's probably the best two-drop. Uh, two-drop in standard, I don't think uh, it's got much competition. In legacy, meh, there's that green creature, uh, Thermo, Tamo something, that some people <laughs> have played before once or twice. It's pretty good. Your Superion? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's also, uh, isn't Painted Servant, like, kind of two? Or Painted Servant, isn't that Painted two? Servant is two, but it goes in less decks than the, than the Stoneforge does, I, don't, I think. But, I mean, again, Stoneforge is sort of building decks around itself in Legacy right now, so... I mean, it's really hard to say, but I, I think generally for value, I'd probably say that... Stoneforge is better than him. It's probably about equal with Tarmogoyf, but in my opinion, I think probably Dark Confidant, a.k.a. Bob, is probably the best two-drop in Legacy. Yeah, I, I guess uh, the one thing is that uh, that Beamy did say that Stoneforge is all over the place at Providence, so, you know, who, who knows? I, I agree with you. I think that uh, Dark Confidant's probably, you know, from what I understand, I don't do a lot of Legacy play, but Dark Confidant, even Tarmogoyf, those two have been around for so long that they've seen so much play, it's really hard to say Stoneforge is more played than them at this point, but that could change very soon. I mean, it really remains to be seen if, if the Stoneforge decks are just a new thing and they're dominating because people aren't prepared to answer the Stoneforge, or if it's going to be, a, you know... A prevalent theme in, in Legacy decks to come. It really will need more time, I think. Whereas right. Bob and Goyf have definitely proven themselves over the long haul. Right. Of course, you could play all three in the same deck. Yeah, and you have one hell of a junk deck, but <laughs> whatever. Yeah, but, I mean, you, you throw you throw Batiskull on Bob and just start <laughs> swinging. With, that way he doesn't kill you when he draws up more Batiskulls. True enough. Unfortunately, uh... He makes you lose life, whereas if, if, if it was him dealing damage with the batter skull, that would be a nice little combo there, but it doesn't yeah. work that way, unfortunately. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, Judgy. <laughs> Personally, though, I'd say Sinkhole is probably one of my favorite two drops. Sinkhole is? Yeah. yeah. Who let Noyan on this cast? Oh, <laughs> sorry. The haters unite. Okay, so, uh, okay, well, ne- on to the next question. The uh, best land in standard is... Question mark, question mark. Hmm. Uh, Chris Landsdell, I think, actually is the best land. (laughs) (laughs) See what I did there. Uh, I think there's not much competition, but I'm going to have to go with Celestial Colonnade. That that sounded like a, mm, like, yeah, I don't think so kind of thing. Is that that what we were going with on that? No, no. I, I, I have to go with Valakut. I mean, no other land in Standard has an actual deck built around it that can actually perform well. I mean, uh, Celestial Colonnade is good, but it's just a role player. The, the Codex could definitely play without it. The Blue-White decks could play without it. It, it wouldn't be as good, but it, I mean, it's not, you know, you don't, like, get rid of it and the deck falls apart, whereas Valakut, you get rid of the Valakuts and Valakut, you don't have a deck. You know, you just oh, have seen some weird ramp deck. Yeah, but I've seen a lot of people winning using Ink Moth. True. Yeah, especially now with all the life game with Sword of War and Peace and Batiskull, Ink Moth is really the only devi- the only viable way in the Coblade Mirror to win anything. Yeah, but the, if we're talking about the Coblade Mirror, that that's a very degenerate subset of standard as opposed to overall. A degenerate and giant subset of standard because everyone's playing the bloody thing. What can I, I say? I'm know, playing I mean, it. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know, really. I mean, from what I hear, if you look at, like, at, you know, bigger events, you know, like the Star City Opens or PTQs or whatever, you're probably going to see a lot more Cobblade, but I'm hearing at smaller, at, I mean, at lots of PTQs that there's, you know, much less dominance by the Codex, so I don't know if it's regional or if it's just, if it's just a very hyper-spiky deck that... You know, the people who are very competitive want to play, whereas, I don't know, I mean, it, I'm not sure, but, I mean, certainly it, it is, it is 
a popular deck, but it seems that depending where you go, there's more or less of it. So. Well, I think also, though, as far as the Ink Moth goes, you're not only just seeing it in the Kado. You do see Ink Moth pump decks and stuff like that. So it is played a lot, whether or not it's the best. Well, that's true enough. It's, it's definitely a good land. I'd say it's definitely, you know, top three. I mean, I'd, I'd say it's number two after Valakut. I'd probably put Colonnade number three if I had to think about it. But, I mean, all, all of the, you know, you can't really count out any sort of man land at all. But I agree. I no, that's cool. I, I I don't I don't disagree. I don't think it's necessarily. I think saying it's the best land is is pushing it. But because I mean, look, if Cobblade wasn't around, Valica would still be pretty much number one. So mm-hmm. exactly. Um. Okay. The are the uh, price of the cards in this new set overinflated? Not so much anymore. They used to be. They were, like, really inflated when pre-orders and when the set first came out, but in my opinion, they've started to settle down to a more reasonable thing. You know, like, the top three cards are all around $25. There's some around, you know, 15 to 20 and then a couple around 10 and then everything's sort of settling down, you know, five and less. So, I, I mean, think, not so much anymore. But. I think the prices were jacked by the early spoilers. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you had stuff like Khan pre-selling at 40 a foil con, a foil con which I cracked yesterday in my god box of godliness. Um, wow! Was, I traded that away for seventy-five. Nice, dude. Oh, dude, that box was sick. I got a foil and a regular con, a foil and a regular batter skull. I had eight mythics in the box. Whoa! Lies. So that's where all my mythics. That thing is awesome. <laughs> and then, I w- then we were there at a draft. First, pack one, pick one, batter skull. I thought, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way I'm ever having a day like this again. Wow, man. Yeah, see, but, I don't know. I think the the overinflation starts in the beginning. But, I mean, prices prices eventually fall to what demand is, right? So it really right. doesn't. I mean, I, I don't consider that once once a set's been out for a little while, I don't think it can be overinflated. Inflated would imply that, that we're just inflating the prices to, to make more money off of it. But this is all demand-based. Like, if... if if the demand wasn't so high for the cards, they wouldn't be that high to begin with. Right. I mean, this is also a third set, so we have to remember that, in general, you know, less of the set's going to be open, so people want to grab the cards up now, rather than having to wait for people to open them when they become more scarce, because, in general, less of you know, New Phyrexia gets opened than of Mirrodin Besieged, and less of Mirrodin Besieged is open than, you know, Scars, right? So... I think it's... Uh, part of it as well is the crazy collation and the packs in this set. Yeah. I, I, I cracked a box yesterday. I did get four Mental Misstep and two Beast Within. I got zero Tezzeret Gambit, which is only an uncommon. I saw zero of them. I got two Microsynth Wellsprings, which is a common. Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I mean, for example, I've opened probably, I guess, close to about three boxes total. Only two of them were actual boxes, but... I've opened a total of one gut shot out of, like, three boxes worth of product for wow. Neuphorexia. Wow. You know, I mean, I, I've only opened uh, three mental missteps. You know, I've had to trade for, like, two more, but... Well, I mean, I opened but a I, case, and I ended up with six mental missteps, two of which were foil, but on average, I'd say I got about eight to ten of each uncommon. A few of them I got about 14 or 15 of. So overall, in the uncommons, I wasn't getting... I got an even distribution, but... Not a ton of them. I think it's crazy that a foil mental misstep is selling for more than a lot of the foil mythics, which is, is just insane. Well, that's legacy players for you. They want their shinies and they want them now. So, but on the bright side, I did get a Smitty Skype. I mean, a Spell Skype. Oh, <laughs> nice. Skeet skeet. <laughs> yeah, really. Okay, so uh, well, let's okay, let's move on. The uh, speaking of overinflated. Uh, have we seen a Planeswalker dive as quickly as Karn has? And I would say, um, I don't know. I remember uh, when, oh, what's his face? The guy from from uh, from Scars that... Venser? Venser, yeah. Venser was up there, and he dropped quite a bit. But I don't know. Has anything dropped? Well, that was quite? more gradual, I think. Yeah, but he, yeah, maybe not as quickly. That's true. So, but yeah, it was, it seems like uh, this has dropped. It seemed like pretty quick, right? I mean... 
Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and again, I think it's to do with the hype that came out from having the spoiler so early, and then people realized, wait, we really can't do anything with this. I mean, it is still seven mana. You know, that's that's the big thing with Karn. Karn costs seven to cast, and you know, it's like, wait, yeah, we're, you know, a lot of these things you can do with them are pretty awesome, but in the end, you know, a lot of it is sort of magical Christmas land sort of stuff. Um, and I mean, it goes back to that, you know, inflated bubble. I mean, not everything is going to be able to hold its pre-sale value. Um, anyway, but not everything's going to be able to hold its pre-sale value. And in general, um, ever since uh, Jace, you know, the whole Jace phenomenon, you know, with him blowing up in value, um, he was pre-selling for what, like twenty, twenty-five dollars or something stupid. Right. Um, and ever since that, both players and the pre-sellers, they don't want. No one wants to be sort of like. The, there's more de- pre-sale demand for planeswalkers because it's they're. they're pretty hard to gauge whether they're going to be good or not a lot of the time. I mean, especially something like Karn, who does something so unique that's never been done before. Uh, So, I mean, I think basically players want more Planeswalkers pre-ordered because they don't want to have to, you know, oh, shoot, I don't want to have to be caught out now. I have to buy four of a $100 card. And then the pre-sellers are like, okay, well, there's more demand for these, so we can charge more in advance. And then, it, I mean, instead of I, playing the Jace Lottery after the pack comes out by opening packs, you know, you're playing it by pre-ordering and seeing if he goes up or down, right? I blame but it on people like Ben, ben Blyweiss and Medina and Kelly <laughs> Reed and all of the speculators who were there encouraging people to pre-order these cards and speculate on them and... That sort of thing pushes the price up. I mean, today with the Hive Mind deck making top eight at a Grand Prix, I've already seen three people saying, buy Hive Minds, buy packs. And the Hive Minds were going for 20 cents when that started. I bet you by this time Tuesday, Hive Mind will be at least $5 on Star City. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. And I can say, blame everything on Medina. That's very important. Just pretty much in general, just make sure that's a rule of life. It's usually Medina's fault. I mean, in general, I think this whole speculation is what drives the prices up a lot right now in general. Because, I mean, like, if you look at last week's uh, Star City Legacy Open with, uh, what was his name, Chris Cronenberger and his mono blue deck with the energy fields, like, during that event, energy field, if you looked on, you know, magiccards.info or whatever, you'd see energy field, like, the average price was about four, just under $4. Now the average price is, like, 12 or $13, if places even have it. You know, I mean that that I mean that's just within a week, and yet I didn't see any of the energy field deck today uh, or this weekend at the Grand Prix. Did any one of you guys? No, I mean, you know, it, it's just pure speculation, and it's not necessarily the best for the game. You know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Ladon, do you have anything to say about that? Uh, not really on this one. Okay. I mean, everyone else has pretty much covered it. Okay. Cool. All right. Well. Okay. So. uh with the month of magic, three grand P- grand peas. Yes, way to go, tangent. Uh, grand prix <laughs> and pro tour Nagoya. Is this month the best month of magic? No. <laughs> I think that's I mean, pretty simple. Coming simple, up. Right? No. I don't know. Four events plus a new. You know, expansion came out. I'd say it's pretty much got to be one of the better months. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think the month that Saito was banned was probably the best month. So, you know, that's my personal opinion. Ooh. I don't know. That one was a little slow for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really think of it like that, but I guess it could be, right? I mean, if if you look at it in terms of major events and things in Magic all at the same time, it's a pretty big month. Yeah, I so mean, it, de- it really depends how you're gauging that sort of thing. I mean, for some people, it's a month like any other. For other people, it's like, eh, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it I mean, it's certainly a busy month for Magic, but... It's hard to quantify. Exactly. I just think that with all these tournaments, all we're going to see is the same deck being played over and over again and being tuned, pretty much like we're doing with the Star Cities every week, which to me doesn't make it a good month for Magic. It makes it a repetitive month for Magic. 
Okay, that fair enough. So a follow-up question. You see legacy standard and block in this run. How do you prepare for these kinds of formats changing, or this kind of formats changing, like, you know, with all the different uh, formats in the same month like that? Depends who you are. If you're someone like KYT, you just wait till Jerry or PV or somebody tells you what deck you're playing. <laughs> <laughs> and then you metagame against each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess you. if if you're really, really good, you kind of don't. A lot of, I mean, listen to like PV when he's talking about it. It's like, well, you know, I kind of don't really uh, practice for uh, limited, you know. It's kind of, I just go there and I open some cards. I mean, who knows, you know, they, they all have their own things to do. I'm sure they, they practice a certain amount, but when you're a pro player and you're playing in those things, it really doesn't matter. I guess it's just us scrubs that have to worry. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll be going to GP Montreal with any luck. I'm still not sure if I'm going to be playing or if I'm going to be taped to Charlotte's side learning how to be a judge, but uh, that'll be M12 sealed, and I have absolutely no plans to do any testing except for Moto, so yeah, I'm far from a pro. Yeah, but I mean, GP Montreal is like literally a week before the Innistrad pre-release, so by that time, the M12 limited format should be pretty easy to figure out. Also, it's a core set limited format, so it's not exactly going to be difficult to suss out anyway, right? <laughs> yeah. Draft yeah. blue, done. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends. If there's bloodthirst, so you might want to draft red this time, so who knows? No, 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 draft blue, flyers, done. Doesn't matter. Just ask Flores, he'll tell you. Blue-wide flyers or something. I, w- I, have, I haven't seen enough of the set to be able to say, so... I literally never lose when I'm drafting blue in a car set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He never wins either, so, you know. But, Ooh. uh... Oh, snap. All right. Anyway. Burn. Does, uh... So, what do we want to see from the expanded Pro Tour coverage? Uh, coverage that starts with round one, not until the pros start because of all their bias. That would be good. I would like to see pro tour coverage that's expanded. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, More I mean, honestly, honestly, I think, I mean, uh, GG's Live and SCG Live have definitely set at least a decent precedent for this sort of thing. So, I mean, something similar to that, though, again, I would like to see some early round coverage when, you know, it's not just name pros. Like, you know, see some of the some of these, you know, people who have just won their local PTQs or whatever, see them play, bring them in, talk to them a bit, you know, get get to know some of these people who are on the pro tour but aren't necessarily pros, right? Make some names. Yeah, exactly. yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a very good point. I I'd can't like disagree see- more. Go ahead, man. I'd like to see them having maybe three or four games filmed at a time so that people could just select which game they want to watch. That way you're not always watching someone playing a Callblade deck versus, you know, another Callblade deck and so on. Yeah, but then you'd have to have, like, three or four teams of commentators, which is more money and more hassle. And also handling multiple streams at the same time is probably they can't even find a bit more of the- on, on GG's and SCG Live, they can't even find two good commentators now. How are they going <laughs> to find six or eight? I mean, I, the, I love hey, talent search. the TAPS guys, and I'm a big fan of, of Gavin Verhey on there. And Did you G-Fab say you love the TAP job. guys? I do, man. They do a good <laughs> job when they're commentating. Oh, oh, okay, never mind. That's not exactly what I thought you said, but we'll go on. Okay, so yes, I agree. Yeah, I love it. Um, <laughs> but... That, that they they really need to figure out how to commentate on on magic. You, that, it seems like you've got two extremes. You've got the people who are trying too hard to fit in the pop culture references and to make it amusing and entertaining, and you've got the ones who are just re- reciting for you exactly what's going on on the screen. Combine that with the camera angles, the glare on the sleeves, the fact that if you don't know the cards by artwork, you will have no idea what's going on. It makes it very difficult for someone watching this on the internet to actually get immersed in it. That all needs to fi- get fixed before this becomes an actually good coverage experience. Well, I mean, the, 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 the Pro Tour coverage at least has the advantage when their little web player, they have the little section where they pop up certain cards so that people can actually read them. But, um, you know, beyond that, I, I definitely think they need to make sure that they have balanced coverage teams. Like, I think one of the things that SCG 
and Gigi's Live doesn't necessarily get right is that they don't, like, I mean, there's a reason that in sports you have basic, with coverage, you basically have an analyst and you have a color guy, you know, you have someone who tells you what's happening and can explain why and how, and then you have someone who provides more of the flavor and more of the, you know, the atmosphere and that sort of thing. Well, Gigi's Live always has a colored guy. They've got Rashad. That's not what I said, Chris. (laughs) Now, you have a problem with... Oh, never mind. Uh, We'll we'll, uh, move on. Okay, so I I agree with you, though. I mean, I think that... Yeah, I don't know. I think that if they... That the Magic, the Pro Tour needs to take some pointers from those that are better at covering. I mean, it's sad to say, but non-Pro Tour coverage is better than the Pro Tour coverage has been. So, mm-hmm. Well, I think that's part... I mean, also, they definitely will need to get different hosts because, I mean, Rich Hagan and BDM are both all right in small doses, but I don't think I could put up with, like, two, three days of those guys <laughs> yeah. on air. Yeah. I don't know if they could deal with it. I mean, you know, I don't know how the, how the guys that do the SCG weekends, you know, put up with that much time on air at once, you know? I mean, it has to be grueling, right? Do you actually watch all the hours of that? Uh, when I'm when I'm not doing anything else, I usually do. I mean, might as well. Okay, so does, does Magic need rivals in order to draw more attention to it? Uh, I don't think it needs it, but I think that uh, rivals are always fun, right? So, I don't know, I'll open it up to you guys. What what like what sort of rivals other card games? I, mean, I would the think thing th- is it's, it's I think not this like is pros, right? So like like you know rivals that are uh, that are competing against each other in the game. Oh, like, oh rivalries within the game, oh, right? That's, exactly. Okay, sorry, I, I thought you meant like with other card games or something. No, no. Um, uh, oh, in that case, definitely. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, like look look at look at. You know how much buzz there was around the whole Player of the Year thing between Brad Nelson and Guillaume Matignon. You know, leading up to Paris, you know, with the playoff. I mean, that was that was really interesting, and that certainly yeah. got people talking about pro play a bit more than usual, at least in but my the, local the area. The suspensions were killing me. I mean, the suspense was killing me. Oh, <laughs> I I think I tell you what would be really good is Jerry T last week was complaining on Twitter about hating getting cheated out of a tournament, and that whipped up a small Twitter storm around. Oh my God, what happened? What happened? So what I think we should do is we should have someone from the SCG team, you know, planting rumors to say it was AJ or it was Edgar Flores and turn these two into these massive rivals so the next time they play, they're trying to kill each other with knives. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then we'd have to disqualify them both and we don't get to see any matches. And Well, no, Rakdos right knives, you know, in, in the legacy portion. I don't know. See, if they take each other out, then people won't know what to play, because they'll be like, wait, what are they playing? They're already out. What do we do? (laughs) (laughs) And the format was saved. Well, Edgar Flores was obviously playing Cobblade, so, I mean, there's no question there. (laughs) I think, though, that rivalries have made any sport. If you look at the, the NBA in its heyday, you had the rivalry between the Celtics and the Lakers, and the Bulls and the Knicks, and... Major League Baseball has always had the uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox, and when those teams are powerful and always up against each other, interest is in- is increased because the neutrals start to watch it. Well, I agree with that. I mean, get a couple teams out there that are three to five man teams competing in a tournament, all running the same deck versus other teams. You could have some team rivalry versus just pro rivalry or rivalry. Yeah. I mean, I mean rivalry is already there in, like, worlds and stuff, kind of, right? So it's, it's just always good. The more rivalry, better. Anytime you can, you can mix things up a bit and make people interested because two major forces are going head-to-head, that's, that's a big deal to people. Yeah, passionate people babble a lot about things they're interested in, so you get their interest up and they'll talk, like, to everybody that doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you've already got the Channel Fireball team and the Star City team as as a natural division among the pros. I would be pushing that. Yeah, true, man. Okay, so so moving on here, who do you think should replace Ryan on limited resources now that he's going to work for Wizards? Who? What? 
Uh, Ryan from Limited Resources is one of theirs. Ryan and Marshall are the two hosts of Limited Resources podcast. Ryan got a job with Wizards of the Coast. So, is there anyone in the the community who would be a good replacement for him? Why, yes, yes, there is. Besides Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's what's to say that he has to leave the the cast? I mean, I've never listened to it, so I'm not necessarily uh, sure what Ryan the has around it are. Because uh, Wizards doesn't want anyone. Um, that's giving away information and things like that, or discussing things without their permission. They want to be able to make sure that they can uh, keep an eye on on what goes um, out, you know. So uh, damage control and right, everything. Exactly. So, yeah. All the right. way it works, I mean, if you're a freelance writer for the site, you can go on podcasts with permission. You just can't badmouth the company. If you're actually employed by them, like Ryan would be, then chances are you'll never go on one. I mean, when was the last time Flores, uh, not Flores, uh, you heard Mara on a podcast, for example? Well, they did say that they're, that him and uh, Marshall can still do non-magic-related podcasts, so they're going to do a knitting podcast, so that'll be good. <laughs> yes. yes, indeed. We'll be on pins and needles waiting for that one. <laughs> All right, well, I, I don't really, like, I don't know. You know, personally, I don't have anyone in mind to replace Ryan because I don't think anyone out there is is exactly like Ryan, and I can only really imagine someone going in there that's like him. I mean, I already, I already told the guys that that I, I wish them the best, and and I hope that they find someone. But of course, you can't replace someone that's such no. an integral in, integral part of that podcast. So, well, I I said that to to both of them. I said you can't replace Ryan. Like the the dynamic those two have is is unique. They've been together for eighty odd episodes. They work together really well. Whoever goes in there is going to have to carve out their own niche, and they have to try to be not like Ryan in order for it to have any chance of succeeding. I, yep, I agree with you. I think that's usually what has to happen. It's still got to be someone that meshes with Marshall, though, and I think that's what they're all worried about. So we'll we'll see. I don't want to. I don't even really want to speculate on that right now. Hopefully, they get it figured out soon. Jay um, Bush. Yeah, Jay Bush. There you go. That's always the answer. Jay Bush. Uh, let's have Jay Bush on. All right, so uh, if if you ran MTG Cast and had over a million downloads in a month, how do you get more sponsors for it to be profitable? Sell more stuff. <laughs> Merchandising. Exactly. <laughs> Merchandising. You can't sell it, man. Well, what's the point? You know, you gotta get people to to put that advertisements on the site. So I think what you do. This is just it. my own personal opinion, and this is. I mean, I've thought a lot about this. It's pretty deep. But I think if you have over a million downloads in a month, you go to possible sponsors and you say, we have over a million downloads a month. And then they say, okay, we'll give you money. Yeah, there there may be actually just money in having people come on in, you know. I mean, if if you can sell it, maybe they need to show up on the site. Maybe it's not so much a... About the million people, so much as there just aren't enough sponsors, they just don't recognize the opportunity. Well, there's there's right. big sponsors out there, but I mean that's the point. They, MTG Cast. If you're trying to sponsor MTG Cast in general with a million downloads a month, there is no podcast out there on its own that gets a million downloads a month. Not even close. Blame the sponsors. Okay, it's the sponsors' fault. So anyway, sorry. <laughs> Enough of the sandwich. What what do you guys think? Well, I mean, I think it might be a case of again, you know, if 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 the sponsors don't know that you know that the the network's getting this many downloads in a month, you know, they're not going to know it's a great opportunity. Whereas, you know, I mean, you you know, you have to spend money to make money, so I mean, maybe they even need to, you know, get some sort of outside firm to sort of you know, or get a spokesperson to go start going around and saying like, look, we're getting this many downloads, this many hits. You know, I mean... The problem is, where do you go? The people that would advertise on MTG Cast are likely to be the people that compete with MTG Cast for the same visitors. If somebody like SCG or Channel Fireball or uh, Cool Stuff or something like that advertises on MTG Cast, what's to stop those people from just going straight to the cast hosts and saying, look, instead of paying MTG Cast, we'll pay you exclusively come on our site. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. Well, I mean, but if but if, if MTG Cast looks at it this way, like like there are a ton of geeks out there that listen to MTG Cast and geeks like women, so if you just 
sell to porn sites, then you'll be golden because you'll just make tons of money, right? Yeah, but the thing is, geeks also know how to get porn for free. Now you're getting all technical on me, Chris. And we didn't, you know, I mean, come on here. I'm speculating. We're all just speculating here. All right. Anyway, okay. So fair enough. Basically, the answer is when the going gets tough, quit. Moving on. Okay, forget that question. Someone put that on there, and that's weird. Um, So anyway, uh, let's see. Is the modern format announced for the Community Cup the answer to the death of Extended? Wait, Extended still exists? Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I didn't realize it was still around. Not only is it going to replace Extended, it may well murder Legacy as well. Ooh, I don't know about that. Well, the thing is, Legacy, and I've heard this opinion extolled before, Legacy has a finite number of people that can buy in and be competitive because of the limited numbers of duels, the limited numbers of things like Candelabra that just weren't printed in large enough numbers to sustain the player base that a format like Modern could. Every single card in Modern is uh, able to be reprinted at any time. So you won't have $160 cards that are less than 10 years old. So... That that in itself will make more people buy into modern. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, let's see. Ladon, uh, silent one over there. Do you have any opinion on that? Well, personally, I, I think it's actually better for the sport overall because, as he was saying, I mean, how many people are going to go out there and buy the more expensive cards that you pretty much need to have for most of the successful legacy decks when you can get stuff that everything's you know, a 20 to maybe $50 card tops that's in your deck. Yeah, there's a lot of people Plus, who were playing Magic you know, years ago, and they, they may not play right now, so they got a deck that they want to, you know, go go compete in the specific format. And so basically, people just want to play their cards, and they have the cards, but a lot of people don't have the legacy cards, and there's a finite number. But the, I guess the thing is, is, there were legacy players before, and there will be legacy players after. It may not, it may take the popularity down some, but I don't think it could ever kill it. Right. I mean, but like, look at look at how vintage is these days. I mean, there there's a lot of die-hard, hardcore vintage players, but you never really see vintage events anywhere except for, you know, these places where these people get together for it. I mean, so legacy's not going to go away. If, you know, if modern or overextended or whatever comes in and replaces it. I mean, I think definitely, I think the, what extended has proven is, or has proven is that a rotating format beyond standard doesn't really work because people don't want to invest in older cards that are slightly more expensive if they can then only play this deck for a year or two years, you know. If people are, like, I mean, the main reason that I've personally invested in some a couple of Legacy decks is that I know I'm going to be able to keep to play these decks, you know, now, next week, a year from now, three years from now. And, I mean, unless something gets banned, there's not going to be any necessary... I mean, I might have to update the deck a bit, but 90% of, you know, the deck is going to be the same, pretty much. I mean, um... I don't know. In in general, I mean, I th- I think that you know the idea of a you know a younger eternal format is definitely a good idea. But I mean, I think the issue is sort of where to start. It modern seems like a decent break point because of you know the it, it, it's a good visual representation. Okay, you know, you start with the new frame. That's a okay spot. But um, Gavin Verhey had a really good article on Star City earlier in the week about, you know, overextended and modern, where to start the format and that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I can't remember everything that he said in it, but it's definitely, I'm pretty sure it's on the select side. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's, you know, if you're interested in that sort of thing, it's definitely worth a read. But, I mean, in general, I think we definitely need something to replace extended because old extended didn't work, new extended doesn't work. Yeah, there's probably limitations because really the people that, that actually want to go and compete playing cards at any level pretty much want to play standard anyway because they're interested. Well, yeah, I mean, standard is what... No one's going to ever kill standard. Standard's the... That's what everyone's playing. And then it's like there's these other formats in between 
that uh, people like to play because they like playing the older cards and more options. I mean, standard, I mean no one me, likes standard right now. It's either now. standard or vintage. There's no reason to play anything else. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what a lot of people think. I mean, it's just the way it is. But, um, okay, so that's cool. I mean, I think that the more the modern format's cool. I, but, I mean, I, I just question whether or not, like, how cool is it going to be? Like, is it going to be that much different than our extended was before? We'll just have to wait and see. What what people really think of it when it happens, but um, can I pose a question? But draft or draft or or uh, or modern? What would you rather play? Draft, draft, draft. Everyone Definitely would draft, dude. Drafts limited. Oh man, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, draft, man. Um, you you know I think Wizard should do draft. <laughs> I think Wizard should make a special cube set of old-school vintage cards and legacy cards that you can only play in cube tournaments. And that way you can bring back all the old cards that people have to spend, you know, 12, 15 grand, like the Channel Fireball Cube. That's, I mean, that's probably a viable thing. You, I mean, it's like, it's <coughs> like you're saying, print, like, a gold-bordered set, you know, like the MTG, like, magic, you know, it'll yeah, have, the like, original pro tour stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, so gold borders, not tournament legal, that sort of thing. Or, or the eagle if you want to run a cube draft tournament or something. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So, okay, uh, Dr. Jeebus and the G-Bombs, among other things that come out of Dr. Jeebus's mouth. I'd rather talk about what goes into his mouth, but <laughs> oh. that's lowering myself to his level. So, so Chris, I know what you put into his mouth, so... So, Chris, why don't you give us a rundown of what exactly happened? (sighs) Okay. Basically, this guy, to quote Big Head Joe, is a nobody. He's a forum troll who signed up anonymously for Twitter, makes a big deal out of protecting his anonymity, and then gets on Twitter and does one of three things. He either bitches and complains that he lost a game due to ravenously bad luck that never happens to anybody else ever because the only way he could ever lose a game is due to bad luck. He crows about how awesome a player he is because he just took down another tournament. Or he insults half the population of the planet at any given time. Um, Every now and then he will post something that is of some substance and significance and he does make some intelligent points occasionally. But uh, this past week, he decided to agree with someone who had caused a storm by referring to a card as, and I quote, fucking gay. How a piece of cardboard manages to have a sexual interest in members of the same sex, I'm not quite sure. I'm also not quite sure when gay became an acceptable insult to use, but I really wish it wasn't. He then proceeded to defend his defense of this guy, saying that he is going to do whatever he wants and speak however he likes, and anyone who doesn't like it can, and again, I quote, suck my fucking dick, oh no, wait, you'd all probably like that, so no, you can't. And he just pissed off a whole bunch of people. Okay, so so the first off, first off I would say this. The only, like most of the, are you following or were you following him at this point? I was. I I now have him deleted and blocked. Okay, okay. So up until this point, like, my question would be, did you not see this coming? But the main thing is, is like, 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 Big Head Joe does it right, more or less. He had him blocked a long time ago because he just realizes he's not for him. I do not block Jeebus because, to me, his rants and complaining and hate and all that that he does amuses the hell out of me because that's just the way the world is and he just doesn't sugarcoat shit and he says it the way he thinks it should be said. And I'd much rather have someone coming to me to where I could see... Now, hiding behind a name or not, because he realizes that that in reality you have to be respectful of people in general. Like, you have to... You can't walk down the street and just be like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, right? You have to, like, be respectful of people. Well, you can. You can do that. But he also has a job, and he probably would like to keep it. So he realizes that in here, Dr. Jeebus, this this so-called, like, the identity that he's hiding behind or whatever, is probably more him than the him that you see on the street. Because then he he feels like he has to sugarcoat things. He can't be exactly who he wants to be. Who he is is the person that doesn't hide behind 
behind hi, thank you, please, all that. That's the respectful person that you are on the street. Then there's the you you hide behind. Like, like there are, okay, he's not a 14-year-old kid who's hiding behind a screen where he can say whatever he wants to and you can't come beat him up. That's not what he's doing. What he's saying is, this is the way I really am, and I'm telling you how I really am on here. Unfortunately, when I'm at my work, I can't be that way. Now, now I'm not saying I agree with everything he's saying. That's not the point. What I agree with is the fact that he is saying what he believes. He's not sugarcoating every single thing so that it makes everyone feel all giddy inside. That's not the way that Jeebus is, is. And I don't sugarcoat things either. I don't agree with the things that he was saying, and I don't agree with him, like, calling... Uh, okay, it turns out that I guess he wasn't calling women what he was calling them, but uh, what I thought he was, which w made me pretty pissed off. But... Uh, I don't agree with exactly how he goes about things. I don't agree with, like... You know, his wife jumping on and giving her opinion and, and talking shit about people, too. Uh, I, I just think that it's... I think he is being what he wants to be. And if people don't want it, then they shouldn't follow him. And they shouldn't listen to him. And they shouldn't deal with it. Like, like I think that, that the things he was saying are wrong for the most part. I think that there's... That's a whole like ethical debate about like whether or not you can use the G bomb or not. I mean, I'll be honest with you, dude. Around my friends, I'll use it all the time. It has nothing to do like when I am saying it. I am not thinking about anyone's sexuality at all. It's like like to me. Look, dude. Even using the word to mean happy is lame, right? The word is lame. lame. It has nothing to do with with lame. what it represents. It's just a stupid sounding word. Lame. Just like I don't like the word fabulous. I think it's a stupid sounding word. So that's like almost an like if anyone ever said I was fabulous, lame. I'd be like, dude, I want to punch you in the face right now. Dude, lame. I hate that word. So everyone just has a way of talking and a way of doing things and some things are okay. I mean, on the A team they've said gay about 500 times. Lame. So it's just a it's just a matter of of every person has their own thing, and we can all be offended by it, or we can accept those people who are saying that stuff. If they're if they're meaning it in an offensive way towards homosexuals, then that is when I would I would put my boot to their face. But when I think someone's saying that a card is stupid, okay, I mean, cards can't be stupid either, but we call cards stupid or or you know lame or whatever all the time, right? I mean, lame. they can't be they can't be that stuff. But we do that because of the fact that we're just trying to make a point that this thing sucks, right? And, and unfortunately, that's the way that the world is. Our, our world has used these certain words to mean certain things. Some are more appropriate than others. Uh, the way the world is doesn't mean I have to perpetuate it. I, I completely agree, man, and that it, that's your choice. Like I... Just like, just like I'm not going to stop being who I am because you think the world should be a certain way, right? Just like I wouldn't, and I wouldn't want you to change, man. I don't want you to start dropping G bombs because of the fact that I said I think it's okay around my friends. You know, it's like we we all are our own person, and it's like I, you know, I'm not. I would never. I have. I I do have friends that are gay. That doesn't mean it's okay for me to say the word gay. I have friends that are. And I respect those people, and I don't say things like that around them, because that's just the way that it is. It's a matter. Of, it's a matter of respect. You respect people. I mean, I, I I don't talk the same way in front of my boss that I talk to around around my friends either, or around you, because that's just one. Not that I have a boss. That's me. I guess I do say talk the same around me, but but when I have one, I wouldn't talk talk around them the same way that I talk to you guys or with a customer. It's just the way it is. We I, you you pay people a certain amount of respect and. Jeebus's forum, he feels like he he is acting the way that he wants to in that forum, and I guess basically we can all just say, well, F you, I'm not going to follow you then. So you get tangent ranting. He can rant too. That was a time. Hey, tangent, I regret to inform you that you no longer believe what you just said. <laughs> and that could be very true in about five minutes. So I've got lots of gay friends. Whatever it is. Seriously. Okay, so so uh, um, yeah. Can I say something on this? Yeah, absolutely, um, please. In in general, I mean, I, I totally agree. People should be free to say whatever they want to be themselves. They shouldn't have to, you know, restrain themselves or whatever. I mean, if if something something's you know pissing you off, you should be able to say that. But my problem with Jeebus in this situation is that um, he is, or at least claims to be, a judge. 
And that's where this gets under my skin. Because personally, I mean, I, I'm, I might be a bit anal about this, but personally, I think that as a judge, even if you are not judging at the moment, if you are interact, if you are being in the magic community, if you are interacting with magic players, if you are basically putting yourself out into the community as a judge, you should maintain a certain level of respect and you know decorum and be at least somewhat of a decent example of at least you know not saying you know you have to you know be 100% by the book. You can't you know try and mind trick your opponents or any of that stuff. I'm what I'm just saying is that. In general, you should at least be polite and respectful, you know, to, to be, provide at least a good, you know, example of how players should behave. You know, you don't want someone, you know, you don't want to be like, okay, I'm judging now, da 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 but, oh, I'm not judging, suddenly I'm, you know, PTQ grinder douche number 32, right? Right, right. I don't know, I mean, that that's my problem here, but... Well, I mean, I, th- this is the one me. area where I respect Jeebus using the secret identity, though, because, again, you're right, and I'm sure that when Jeebus is on the floor, he is not talking to those people the way that he is on this forum, and that's and that's the thing. is like, like, people could say you're hiding. He's not hiding. He wants to be able to be himself. He's hiding when he is being, when he, you are seeing him in person. That's Jeebus hiding. Because he knows that it's not the appropriate thing to do to just go dropping F-bombs and being whoever you want when you're at a tournament trying to be a judge. Sure, sure. But the fact is still, I mean, you have to, you know, I mean, the fact is if you're trying, if you're in a community, especially as a judge, I mean, big part, especially at higher levels of judging, a big part of being a judge is, you know, building the community, and you're not going to help build a community when you're tearing people down, right? No, that that part of it's not okay. I, I, I don't agree with Jeebus attacking people unless... I mean, granted, if you attack me, I'm going to attack back. It's just the way that it is, right? I don't agree with him just choosing people to attack for the sake of, of doing it. But but sometimes you do defend yourself, and you can get defensive even if you say you're not a person who gets defensive. Right. Chris is really quiet now that I've given my opinion because I think he's like, God, I hate that tangent. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, there's a different. I mean, I'm a I'm a big human rights activist, political activist, social activist in my community, so I'm pretty much obliged to provide this opinion, not that I don't have it anyway, but to me, like, anybody who states their opinion and has an honest opinion and a strong feeling about something but has to hide behind a name because they don't want their opinions to affect their lives is a chicken, plain and simple. If you have an opinion, be man enough to come out and state it. Don't hide behind an anonymous name so that you are not responsible for your opinions. Because then you can say anything at any time to anyone and have no repercussions on it. If you feel something that strongly that you're willing to fight against 20 pissed-off Twitter people, then have the guts to put your name behind it and don't hide behind some fake tough guy persona. And I'll say one one further thing on this. If you really think that that fake person that posted, that came on there to defend him is his wife and not him logging in with a different username, I got some beachfront property in Baghdad to sell you. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't want to make any assumptions. I'm not disagreeing with you. Uh, again, I think it's a respect thing, man. I mean, it's it's easy to say unless you're the one who's actually doing it. And it's like, look, look, I'm I'm really not any different in person than I am on here. This is who I am. Like when I'm not hiding. Like like I go by tangent, right? I'm not hiding behind it. I'll walk up to you and I'll shake your hand, and you'll know who I am. And I've met Jay Bush, and I've met you know uh, Smitty, and I've met Ryan and and Conley and all these people, and I am who I am. Uh, Tangent is just who I am, and so I'm not hiding behind anything. I think I think you're right in in the sense that it is like he's getting a free ride to be able to say whatever he wants without having to uh, to own up to it at any point in time. But at the same time, he knows that his views inside are so extreme that they're not acceptable. On when when he's like if he's trying to be a judge, say he wants to still be able to share those opinions without feeling like he's he's under the under control and not able to able to do so, like he's going to stop being a judge because he shares them. But I do also agree that 
You're right. He's trying to build community, right? I mean, so so if he's a judge, he's trying to build community. Otherwise, why be a judge? I mean, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know. I mean, it's it's good debate, I guess. Yeah, and that's the whole point behind this, right? I mean, there are ways and means of saying things and ways that things should be done, and it's the way to do what happened. But tis over. Um, my Twitter feed is decidedly less violent as a result. Although, I tell you, Magic players tweet a lot, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't hold it all. <laughs> yeah, they do. Okay, well, hey, I mean, that's that's the Jeebus thing. I think that's we pretty much said our piece. Um, I, I will stay, say that uh, David, who's responsible for the MTG Cast Listener Appreciation Event in Seattle, uh, which is on June 4th, and everyone should try and make it there if they can. Um, he did say that he um, that they've got sponsorship by Channel Fireball, and so those people who attend, I guess, uh, will get a promotional code for discounts or something from Channel Fireball. I didn't get. Uh, did anyone get the specifics on what he was saying? They were they were giving. Uh, just some no. sort of discount code, I think. Okay. So a discount code from Channel Fireball, and also um, there is discounted hotel rates in that area, and they're very, very reasonable. I've I've seen them, and I think they're somewhere right around fifty bucks a night for close to being on site. And in Seattle, that's a really good deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Extended Stay America was the name of the hotel, I believe. Was it okay? So yeah, yeah. just to mention MTG Cast if you're calling them up and right, booking yeah. your room. Yeah, mention that you're for the MTG Cast listener appreciation event or whatever. And uh, I'm sure it's it's uh, probably pretty simple because there's not too many MTG Cast events going on at the time. I'd just like to point out that if you mention Horde of Notions, you get a free oxygen tank in your room. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And and Chris will bend over so you can kiss his butt. <laughs> Ow, man. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, well, okay. So that's that's that. And, and yes, by the way, Roberto, it is about time that I got off of my phone and back on the mic. Uh, that was the question that was supposed to be asked. But it's more of a statement, really, than anything. So, yes, you're correct. Other than that... Well, it is um, nice hearing you talk the entire time versus about 10 minutes and then drop and then back and then drop <laughs> and then gone for the rest of the cast. Yeah, I hear you, man. It's nice to actually be able to use a real microphone again and sit in a chair. Um, okay, so so Chris, where can you yes, be sir. reached? Uh, you can get me uh, through the show's email, hosts at hordeofnotions.com. Uh, you can get me on Twitter, at LansDelicious, L-A-N-S-D-E-L-L-I-C-I-O-U-S. And you can read my stuff on Mana Deprived. Okay, sounds good. And uh, Charlotte, where can you, where can uh, people get a hold of you if they want to find out what what you're up to? Um, well, easiest way is I'm on Twitter at JackalGirl, which is J Q L G I R L. Um, I articles for Mana Deprived in the past. Hopefully, I'll be doing some articles for them again soon. But you know, life gets in the way sometimes. Um, other than that, uh, I don't know. That's about it. Uh, any people can feel free to ask me quest- like rules questions or anything on Twitter, and I'm always happy to answer. I answer whenever I can. And it's I mean, true, she yeah. does. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of obsessively and stupidly in love with this game and community. So hey, I'm here to help. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Awesome, uh, yeah. Ladon. Are you available anywhere or? You know, I have a Twitter account. Don't use it. People message <laughs> me. You know, or email me, or IM me, or anything like that. I'd probably respond back, but uh, yeah, I'm more or less just uh, cruising along. Okay, awesome. And of course, I can be reached tangent dyn on Twitter, tangent dyn on MTGO. And uh, so we we do have another question. Oh, and email us manuscript at gmail dot com. Contrary to popular belief, we do want your opinions and your feedback, and and I won't hate on you for it. I I do welcome feedback and. We get surprisingly little these days, but I think it's because some people got this weird idea that, I don't know, I might kill them for it or something. I don't know where that came from. But uh, anyway, so, yeah, definitely send feedback to the show. We love to hear from you. And, you know, even if it's just a deck list, we used to get those all the time, too. Uh, it's we, because I've seen your mug shot on Skype. Probably, probably yeah. My, my, what is it? What hardy is it that uh, 
that I look like that you say I look like there, Chris, that you're very wrong about? Matt I'm Matt not wrong Hardy. at all. You look just like Matt Hardy. <laughs> he does. He Whatever. Does. Whatever. With a beanie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, one more thing here. Uh, decks we're currently playing other than Kaw. Anyone? Standard, I assume this means? Yeah. Uh, um, well, I haven't played any lately, but the last few times I've played Standard, I've had some pretty good results with, I guess they call it Blue Manji these days. Just the green-blue Vengevine Tempo deck uh, that was played to great effect by Larry Swayze at the, you know, seven Cobblade decks plus his deck, top eight, in, I guess it was Boston. But the, the newest version actually looks pretty sweet. It has, uh, it has you know, Frost Titans, and it has Phyrexian Metamorph now. So apparently, you know, okay, drop Frost Titan, and then drop two Metamorphs, and, you know, oop, I have three Titans for 12 mana. Seems pretty good. Wow. Yeah, nice. Okay. <laughs> um... I don't know. That's about it for standard. I, I was really hoping I could get down to Providence this weekend and, and play some Painted Stone, but I didn't, and that's that. Um, I'm happy to see that a Painted Stone deck made top eight, though. The build looks really cool. That uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy that made top eight with Painted Stone had. Chris. But anyway. I'm gonna, uh, Chris, do you know who that is? Uh, no, I didn't notice. Okay, okay. That's cool though. No, I, I, a lot of people were talking about. It. Even people were trying to get KYT, I think, to play that. So, that's cool. That uh, might have just been me. I don't know. I've been <laughs> no. Trying to get everyone to play it. But. All right, Chris, you got anything that you're uh, playing right now in standard? I'm testing a few things. Uh, I'm working on a red deck that uh, abuses Slag Fiend with stuff like uh, Koldatha Red and uh, Koldatha Rebirth and Phyrexia's Core to sack cheap artifacts and then drop a huge Slag Fiend and smash face. Uh, Soul Sisters with Molten Steel Dragon, something else I'm looking at, and a Blue Fish as well. I like that. I was I was I was just talking about that the other day, and I was like, oh man, this is this is a great thing with Soul Sisters. And someone was like, no, it's not. It's like, dude, it it is actually. <laughs> it's a really good thing with Soul Sisters. So, uh, um, yeah. Well, okay, so I am playing a, a Koldatha Rebirth type deck that. I was playing Koldatha before anyone like even thought it would be a decent card. Big Head Joe had brought it up on the show a long time ago. This hilarious deck that he had come up with with only eight land, and I thought it was it just sounded amusing as hell. And since then, I've been trying to perfect it, and uh, and it's it's actually super uh, super fast. But of course, you do. I, I don't. I'm running more than eight land now just because it wasn't ideal, but it uh, it does work really really well and. Uh, Running that, except for it's scared of pyroclasms, of course. But um, and then I also am running a mono white control build that um, a lot of bounce effects and things like that. And it's just it's it's also really good, except for some reason, no matter how many times I play it online, all I ever play against is mill, and it's just <laughs> not going to ever lose like no deck in standard should right now. So. I don't know exactly how good it is because I can't play anything but Mill. Uh, yeah, Lodon, anything? I've been messing around with a uh, a white green and a white blue variant of a Knight's deck just to get a lot of special ability, low casting cost creatures out there, and you know try to get some fast man out of it with the green version and a little bit of control with the blue version. And I've been messing around with a uh, new blue and black Infect deck based on that new guy, the little unblockable from Blue. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ah, these all Blade sound like agent. great ideas. Yeah. Oh, uh, I, I'm still personally trying to make get a, a, a Blood Crank deck to work, but sort of hard to figure out how to do that. I'm thinking like the the, 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 the red burn version isn't is a bit too inconsistent, doesn't have any card advantage. I'm trying to figure out a version with Tezzeret, but that's a lot harder to do and then it's like, yeah, at this point why don't I just cut the ascension and that and make a Tezzeret deck and have the combo in it as a fun thing. But then it's like but then it's not, you know, a blood crank deck anymore, right? So What about the uh the Tezzeret's Gambit, have you, uh, you, if you don't want, if you want card advantage, is that something that would even be possible? Oh, in that deck? yeah, maybe I should, I should try that in the burn version. That might work, definitely. Well, proliferate too. Oh yeah, Tezzeret. Yeah. yeah uh, so, 
Cool. Um, anything else anyone has to say or wanted to say before we wrap it up here? Hard in Oceans 8 just hit MTG cast featuring very special guest from the mothership, Noel de Cordova, who writes from the lab, so check it out. Awesome. Sounds good. Okay, well, I think we are going to wrap it up for this week then. And until next week, I think we're out. Later, guys. Peace. Peace. Peace.